Well, Brian, it finally happened. We're coming into a podcast that we're recording after a Stephen Curry night going against the Phoenix Suns, Golden State Warriors, both teams at the top of the NBA, and gasp. Steph finally didn't put up a 50-burger. He finally didn't hit 10 threes. He didn't do anything magical because he was shut down. By my guy, Mikel Bridges, off the ball, sticking to him like glue, on the ball, not letting him go anywhere. Steph went 4 of 21, 3 of 14 from deep. Only had 12 points. Was a minus 17 in the game. Suns, without Devin Booker for an entire second half, beat the Warriors 104-96 to cap off one hell of a night in the NBA as far as the marquee matchups go. We had an amazing matchup as well in Brooklyn where the Nets defeated the Knicks 112-110. to Little bit of an anticlimactic finish to that one with James Johnson putting it away with two free throws. Julius Randle was really pissed at the refs. But we saw the old James Harden. He looked tremendous. Kevin Durant, he was quiet for the most part of the game. But then in the fourth quarter, making himself appear, show up, hit a bunch of shots. It's really good marquee matchups. Uh, usually don't get that in the, the back-to-back on TNT. Sometimes they can fall a little short of expectation. But those two definitely hit it. I thought it was really fun. But hey, what's up, guys? It's Keeping It 94, post-Thanksgiving edition, right here as part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. What's up, Bri? How you doing? How was the turkey? I'm doing well. You know, I'm going to say something controversial that might tick some people off, but I'm going to say it anyway. I enjoy Thanksgiving as much as anybody else. However, I'm not the biggest fan of turkey. I like turkey. I don't love turkey. And I'm happy to not overload on turkey and enjoy ham and all the fixings. I don't like dry turkey. I don't like baked turkey. You have to have turkey the right way. And that right way is to smoke it. Okay. So without getting too detailed into what, you know, we do here at the the Davies household, we used to smoke the turkey with bacon wrapped around it. And it was really good because the bacon would come, come out, flavor, amazing. It was a little too difficult this year to, to make it happen. So my father, the amazing chef that he is, stuffs a turkey with apple and thyme and cage. Like, it was an amazing combo. That was the juiciest, tenderest, I know it's not a word, but I'm going to say it, tenderest turkey i've ever had in my life that thing was juicing i've got video proof of it if anyone wants to see please let me know i'll send it via message but melted in your mouth the white meat the dark meat it was perfect absolutely perfect this is the problem i have is because uh when it comes to turkey i guess we didn't cook a full turkey uh we bought a turkey breast because it's just my wife and I and uh, her dad. So we decided not to go full bore and get like a full turkey and everything. So maybe maybe that's the problem. Maybe I need to come to the Davies household next year to enjoy a turkey stuffed or get one that's uh, wrapped with bacon and is juicy. 
Oh, yeah. No, you would not be disappointed. I will send you those videos after we're done recording. Do I have to wear a Browns hoodie to get entrance into the household? <sighs> we're going to get... Okay. Let me concentrate on what I, I, this podcast is I about I just wanted first, to know what the proper then, protocol then, was to welcome myself to the Davies family so if, that way I was in your good graces and could enjoy the meal. We're not going to talk about the Harbaugh's I didn't want to go into that. I'm not in, going into that. I just asked in, a simple in late November. question. We'll, we'll get to it at the end of the podcast, and then I'll tell you what is required to get into the Davies household. How about that? How about that? We'll just leave it like that. I once came home to my house and a friend of my wife's was staying at our place. Somebody I had never met before. And I kid you not, my first introduction to him was he had my TV on and he was wearing a Celtics shirt in my house. And I was like, I've never met this dude before. We might have a problem. Now we get along perfectly fine, but that was quite the introduction. And what? I wouldn't want to offend anybody in the Davies household if I were going to be uh, coming over there and especially enjoying a meal. Just wear your UCF Golden Knight stuff and you'll be just fine. Golden. Hey, whoa, 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 you just offended me right there, okay? UCF has not been the Golden Knights in years. Years ago, we changed to the Knights. It's UCF Knights. It's not the Golden Knights. It's Knights. Okay, okay. It's just, just like the Devil Rays down in Tampa. It's, it's now yes. the Rays, right? So they just yes. took away the surname. Okay. We didn't do it, though, because we thought that it made our team look evil, and we didn't like the name of Devil being incorporated, okay? <laughs> Damn Floridians. Okay, <laughs> so uh, speaking of Floridians, I think this is a good segue. Uh, instead of talking about games, I'd love to talk about the strict and harsh penalties of the NBA tampering rules. Oh, my goodness. How are the Miami Heat and Chicago Bulls ever going to survive by missing a second round pick. Oh, what happens? How can they ever go on? Now, this is off of the tampering investigation that the league did. Bulls with Lonzo Ball, Heat with Kyle Lowry just announced on Tuesday in the early morning that Wednesday, whatever day it is, I'm losing track of them. <laughs> Wednesday on the early morning that the Bulls and Heat will both be penalized for talking to these free agents a little early before the moratorium period. The penalty is them losing a, a future second-round pick, each of them. To me, it's worth tampering. I, I, I saw that penalty. I said, oh, my God, they're shaking in their boots. What will they ever do without a second-round pick? You know, because that second-round pick's probably going to be in the 50s especially because they're good. They're both good teams. Now, if it was a bottom feeder like the Pistons or the Rockets or the Pelicans and they lost a second round pick, yeah, it's a little bit more significant. But you're telling me a second round pick, that's the biggest penalty for tampering? At that point, it's like, all right, we'll take one on the chin. It's like cash considerations. Here you go. Just take this, take this money. We don't need it as an organization. Take this meaningless asset. Wait, really? You can't do better than that? I mean, I'm glad to see both of these players on these teams, but if they're not doing it within the, the, the scheme or the realm of the rules that are put in place, which are virtually impossible to enforce, by the way, it's a whole mess. But a second round, a second round pick? Really? That's, that's the harsh penalty. That's what you're going to go to. I, I just, I, I don't think 
any team is going to be intimidated by losing a second round freaking pick. So we've been waiting months for the outcome of these investigations. And this is the outcome. It's a slap on the wrist. And I love that the NBA is like, it even a slap on the wrist? It's is, it, is it's, it like a is it like a quick paper cut? I think it's a point at you and going tisk tisk, quite honestly. And <laughs> it's almost like, um, oh, I'm sorry, you can't come back for a second bowl of ice cream. You know, <laughs> kind of a thing. Like, and, dude, and the, like if you're I, really I, actually <laughs> trying to put a stopper on this, take away a first rounder. Right, like set an example. But I mean, the my favorite part of it too was that they said, well, both teams fully cooperated in the investigation. So that's why the penalty wasn't worse. I was like, so as long as I cooperate, as long as I break the rules, it's okay. And and it's not like it was like, oh, you know, we know that the teams have been talking. And then, you know, NBA free agency starts, the period opens up. And four, five, six hours later, boom, we hear about a deal like in the Lonzo ball situation, especially no, this is one minute in the free agency, one minute in the free agency. They announced a deal. Now, mind you, not only did they announce a deal that they're getting Lonzo and signing him to this contract, but they also had to work out a signing trade. So you're telling me in the span of 60 seconds when free agency began, they not only were able to work out a signing trade with the Pelicans, but they also were able to work out a multi-year deal that both the Bulls and Lonzo Ball agreed to. That's some damn fine work in 60 seconds. It is. It is. And maybe had they waited, I don't know, a day or two, they wouldn't have been investigated. And that's fine. Exactly. Yeah, they, they should be punished. But a second-round pick's not a punishment. It's not... Ethan put in our chat today, Ethan Fuller, our amazing newsliner. Uh, he, he writes the NBA sour rankings. He does a stat book for basketballnews.com all the time. He said, I'm trying to find the Bulls next second round pick. It's not until at least 2026. <laughs> next available second round pick is what they're taking away. You're telling me that's a punishment? That's not a punishment. And we know so that teams even, are going to do this. Why even give a damn? Yeah, I mean, we know that teams are going to talk with agents and whatnot. We know that these things are going to happen, okay? Same thing we, happened, by the way, with the Bogdan Bogdanovich stuff with uh, the right. Bucks. The Bucks lost their second-round pick, too. We know this stuff is going to happen in advance. That being said, you don't have to make it so obvious. You don't have to basically tell everybody, hey, we're skirting the rules. We get it. We know you're skirting the rules. We know it even if you sign a guy, you know, that day when free agency begins, or even probably the next day, we know this, okay? We know that the two sides have already been talking before free agency begins. We even hear, I mean, how many times you hear rumors like this guy's attached to here, this guy's attached to here. You hear this stuff, but that doesn't mean that you have to go ahead in one minute into free agency or 10 minutes in the free agency or whatever it's going to be so quick and pull the trigger on it just to, you know, show what we already know in that you're circumventing the rules and you're going to get away with it. Now the NBA could come down a lot harder and I don't know what kind of example that would be. It would be nice to see something harder. I don't, I don't know what, how harsh they should go with this, but like you said, 
it's not exactly a cause for concern for teams when all you're getting penalized is a second round pick, a future second round pick, which for a lot of teams isn't going to mean that much. And the and the players don't get punished either. So it's like, no, what, what? I don't know how you enforce it. You can't bug these people's phones. That's just like an invasion of privacy. Can you right? can you like, find a team, say five million dollars? I, I mean, I don't. You probably can't even do that because of the rules. Do something know, with the salary cap. Some, how about that? Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's a punishment you could come up with. Maybe you can like hard cap them a little further, or you yeah. can penalize them with a luxury tax even further. Well, those something. are things that are going to have to be negotiated in a CBA. But I mean, there maybe there needs to be something that is put in place like that, where teams can be fined for more amount, or there can be like a salary cap penalty, like you said, or or there are something. A second I mean, round pick ain't going to do it. That's, I mean, that, they, that's all I want. That, that's I mean, the biggest rant I wanted to go on when I saw that. Like I put that in our Slack chat. I said, oh my God, they're shaking in their boots. But, it, but isn't it amazing? Rounder. That we go from 20 years ago, whenever it was, with the Joe Smith Minnesota ordeal, where it was five first round picks to where we are now. And it's a different situation, you know, but still circumventing the rules. And you're talking about a future second round pick. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's just like NBA, either either do something, either work with your players and teams, negotiate something that's harsher, or at least try to do something that's harsher, even if it gets negotiated down, at least look like you're trying to give a damn. Because if you don't, then fine. Then let it be all Armageddon and throw it all out the window. Yeah. No, I would I would happen to agree with that. Absolutely. Let's talk about the two most important games of the night on Tuesday. Um, not too much into the Suns and Warriors because we. Oh, we I thought you were going to go into Frank Vogel's halftime speech to the Lakers to make them give a damn. Oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did. They, that was a blowout. <laughs> and I actually was laughing because at the end of that game, like when it was out of reach and whatever, and Malik Monk just started drilling threes. Yeah. Like it was just like just drilling three after you, three. You look at his like, box score. Like, he's already dead. 22 points. He hit six threes. I'm like, yeah, they're already up by 20. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to talk about the, the Knicks Nets game. Cause I thought that was really fun. And there was some big news too, out of New York the, uh, that Kemba Walker will no longer be in the rotation. As Tom Thibodeau announced, he started Alec Burks at point guard, which is interesting as, as well as you might decide, but um the, the the move clearly, you know, paid off. It, it was a great game. I thought that was an even better game than the nightcap. Um, the finish, like I said in the intro, was a little anticlimactic with James Johnson hitting two threes and Fournier throwing up a prayer at the end. But I thought that uh, the game was really fun in the sense of I, I saw James Harden look like the beard again. Um, I think that LaMarcus Aldridge, we're not talking about him enough just – I mean, he's doing what he's always done through his career and just being steady Eddie, but he is just a mid-range assassin this year um, because of the pressure that Harden puts on the rim and the attention that KD draws. He is a picture-perfect fit for this team because he's just waiting in the wings right, right there about 15 feet, use him in pick and pops. It's just straight away... Mid-rangers, mid-ranger, mid-ranger. And that's why the Nets are one of the best mid-range teams in the league. And and to that point, too, Aldridge is shooting his career high in true shooting percentage this year. Like, that, I think, is telling. 
um, at 61.7%, by the way. Um, but it's just, it's gorgeous. He's getting all of these 16 to 18 footers, 15 to 18 footers and drilling them, just drilling them, drilling them 56.3 from 10 to 16 feet and 58.3 from 16 to three point feet, like three point feet, whatever, 16 feet to three point distance. Uh, he's just been so Johnny on the spot for them. And it's really important because Blake Griffin's no longer in that rotation now. So LMA, you know, we thought he'd come back and maybe be a 15 to 20 minute uh, night guy, but he's playing a significant role for this team. And he's just letting it fly and being the LaMarcus Aldridge that we know and love and playing significant minutes in the process. I mean, he's playing what, 25, 30 minutes a night? 20, uh, he's averaging 23, but. Uh, in the last six games, he is averaging 29.4 minutes a game. Yeah. And so averaging I mean, 17 points, seven rebounds on 56% from the field. The the amount that they ask of him on a night-to-night basis is amazing. Same with Patty Mills, who we knew was going to have a significant role in this team, but especially now with you know Kyrie not playing, you know, and everything that he's been asked to do and has stepped up and has done as well. And then now James Harden is finally starting to look like James Harden and put up a game, you know, last night. I mean, put up 34 points. And, you know, I, I thought that the the most important part of the game was the Nets have played so well, and I think it's kind of gone under the radar. And they were jumping out to a double-digit lead in the second half. And you're thinking, like, they're at home. Crowd's starting to get into it. Here we go. They're taking off. And instead, it was the Knicks who fell behind, you know, and uh, by the end of the third quarter, they had it down. Uh, it, was a, it was a super close game, and they fought back. And um, that was impressive to me because the Knicks are still just kind of trying to figure themselves out a little bit, you know, with with everything, you know, they're trying to get healthy with Rose, you know, Kim Walker's out of the, you know, rotation right now. You know, Julius Randle was having a great game last night, and, you know, he got irked with the uh, officials especially after the game, he went after the, the explanation from the rest was just horrendous, by the way. Well, Say, I mean, cause he's bigger and like, like it literally, they literally were saying, cause he's bigger. He's less affected by contact. So they're not going to call stuff. That's it's trash. almost like the, it's the, it's the LeBron argument. It's, it's like, it's just LeBron cause I'm bigger argument. than this dude, just cause it's, I'm bigger than this dude. I'm still getting fouled. It's the Shaq argument. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal was probably the most fouled guy that we had seen in basketball in the last 30 years. It's just how many of those fouls got called because this dude's bigger than everybody else, you know? And we've seen this, like you said, with LeBron. I mean, and that, that's garbage. I mean, referees are saying that. I'm like, a foul is a foul. That's not the, It doesn't matter if a guy is, you know, bigger, stronger than anybody else. If he gets fouled, he gets fouled. I mean, that, that doesn't matter. You know, and it is a little frustrating that it takes away from the game. But, I mean, that was a highly, highly competitive game and that's what you want to see a little bit more out of the Knicks and hopefully we do you know going forward and um you know but I mean uh, that atmosphere was awesome I mean I thought Spike I thought Spike Lee was gonna blind everybody with that pink suit um but I mean it was it was incredible I'm just glad that that Tibbs didn't have an episode you know pass out he was getting so fired up in that one he was he was um and, and to the Nets point too just to go back Joe Harris is going to be out for a little while since he just had 
a, a procedure done. So DeAndre Bembry has been starting for them the last five games, and he's been putting in great, great time. Uh, you mentioned Patty Mills. I love what Bruce Brown brings to the table. I think going a little bit stronger, a little, it's a little smaller, but they going a little stronger is helping them on the defensive end a little bit. And once you get those guys going like James Harden, you already know Kevin Durant's going to be Kevin Durant. They're starting to find a little groove. And I think this is the Nets team that we expected to see. It obviously, it's taken a little bit longer to gel with no Kyrie Irving, obviously being a part of the team. So I, I like where the Nets are going. And, and to, the, to the Knicks fact, too, I think that they're going to be better off. Uh, it, it sucks because I love Kemba, and I think the Kemba going home to New York storyline was absolutely tremendous. Um, but it's clear that just defensively, he just can't, he can't keep up with anyone right now. And I think he understands that. Um, that I was one that, of the things I had. That was my concern when it came to him joining this team. And that was one of the things I said for the season when I thought that the Knicks, you know, would not be as good as last year, you know, just because the East is so competitive. But, you know, when it comes to can they replicate what they did last year when it comes to how hard they try in every game and things like that, and then you get Kemba Walker, and it's Kemba's a very talented guy, but he has limitations on defense, like you said, and that that's where it it's really going to hurt this team because it's one thing what he does on offense, but it's all about what you do on the other end of the court. And that was just going to be tough. And now we'll have to see what his future is going to be. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the second game of the night, and, and again, I don't want to get in too far to this because we've talked Warriors and Suns, I think, for the last you know two, three weeks, but you kind of have to because they're the best two teams in the league right now. Uh, but I, like I mentioned in the open, Mikel Bridges was just, you look at the box score and you see this modest, modest stat line. He wasn't aggressive at all offensively, um, but he was a play connector. Um, he was in passing lanes. He made big plays defensively. He was stuck to Steph Curry off the ball. Like not many people can do that. He was locking all over him uh, as he was trying, as Curry was trying to weave his way through the, the the half court. They were getting carried. The Warriors were getting carried by Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole had 16 in the opening quarter. Porter ended up with 16 for the game, but they were having issues offensively. And Steph, Steph was clearly a little shaken, um, kind of chucking a little bit there. He was, um, and I think he, he just felt a little pressure to get them going. And but you talk about Bridges. I mean, I. I don't like to put too much into plus minus. I mean, I think there's, it's meaningful, but I wouldn't put too much meaning on it. But when you talk about Bridges' stat line and, you know, two points, two rebounds, three assists, what I look at is 41 minutes plus 21. I mean, that, that tells you the impact that this guy had on the court. You're playing that many minutes and we know who he's defending means he's doing his job. No. Yeah. A hundred percent. But like, I, I think you have to look at that and say, okay, this is this, this dude has to get all defense consideration this year. This dude has to get consideration of defensive player of the year, especially if this team continues to roll the way it has. Both of those teams have 18 wins, right? Um, there's no way. There's no way without Mikel that they have that many wins. It's just, just, just it's, it's, it's impossible. The way that he defends their best player every night on the opposing team uh, when he wants to be aggressive offensively and when he's needed to be aggressive offensively, he's been excellent. Um, shooting the three, uh, taking it off the dribble more and more as he's developed. 
uh, as we've talked about in the past, by the way, um, when I interviewed him last year for basketballnews.com. Um, and, and these are things like you hate the glue guy label. You hate the three and D level label. He can be much more than that, but right now this is what he's doing and it's perfect for this team. I think that them losing Devin Booker for the second half, you saw Chris Paul become a little more awake on getting to those spots and doing his patented fadeaway mid-ranger. DeAndre Ayton couldn't have started the game any better. Any better. They used his size right off the rip. I thought that Kevon Looney actually did a solid job too. Um, Jay Crowder, timely shots. Cam Johnson, really solid on both ends of the floor. They're just really deep, really deep, really good. And the same goes for the Warriors. I think that, you know, Gary Payton, as we've talked about in the past, has just been a revelation. And I think he needs to get at least 20 minutes a night at this time. Um, especially, you know, when it, it, a guy like Andrew Wiggins, he had the back spasms or whatever. Uh, I thought that he, that Payton could have played a little bit more. Um, Andrew Wiggins has had a tremendous season so far, but in those plug and play situations, I think Peyton could have been in there. She actually gave him some solid minutes too, uh, just as a, a guy in transition. But that's, that's the furthest I'll go on the Suns and Warriors game. But I mean, th- that game though was a perfect example. I think of what the Phoenix Suns want to do on a night to night basis, grind teams out, wear them down defensively. Yeah. Cause that game started out super offensive oh, too. I sorry. mean, it was 35, 31 after the first quarter. And you're thinking like, this is golden state's pace and wait till Steph heats up, you know, pool is going nuts here. And Phoenix just grabbed the hold of it and like golden state, you know, the rest of the way, I mean, the third quarter, they scored 24, but that was their high quarter after that. And the Suns just warmed down and said, we're going to put our pace and our style on you. We're going to make you work hard for every little thing that you want to grind out. It was a Chris Paul game and that he controlled the pace when he wanted to heat up offensively. He did when he wanted to control it. He did. I mean, 50 points, 11 assists. I mean, uh, this is exactly what Phoenix wants to do. And I think what's so impressive about it too, like you mentioned is, you know, Devin Booker only played for 15 minutes because of he had a, he hurt his hamstring. What, that's impressive to not have your best offensive weapon out there and still just kind of grind down Golden State the way that they did. And uh, and you mentioned Aiden. I mean, give this guy all the credit in the world. He was a monster in that game. I mean, you know, 24 and 11, and he did so many other things that aren't even, you know, in the stat line. They just got the ball to him within two feet of the rim, and all he did was throw up some hook shots. Like, that's all they needed from him. Like, he just literally caught the ball, turned around. I'm right here. I'm right here. Get rebounds. Contest a few shots. That's what you got to do. That's all he has to do. There was a lot of big uh, injury news, too, while we were, not while we were away, but just during the week. Because um, I'm just looking at some box scores from Tuesday night. Uh, the Grizzlies lost... John Morant to a knee sprain. Luckily, not anything worse. Um, especially it was scary the, the night of. Yeah, the night of, it looked very scary. Um, so good news on that end, but um, looks like on the road, they decided uh, they, they'd be able to pick that up. Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, uh, Desmond Bain. I, oh, God, I love this kid. Um, he's just growing with each game and, and is be just maturing even more and more. And they said that that would be one of his best qualities too, is just being... Um, a, a mature player the way he is. Um, I, you know, can they keep it afloat while Jaws away for a few weeks? I'm guessing it'll be a few weeks if it's a knee sprain. 
if not more, and they might be cautious. I don't know. Uh, that's going to be tough. That's probably going to be real tough. Um, other, you know, there's just been unfortunate injury news left and right. Um, you know, we had the Michael Porter Jr. news come out on Monday uh, about his his back potentially season ending, depending on the timetable after the surgery is complete. Uh, you know, you jotted down here in our notes that, you know, Bones Highland and Austin Rivers are going to be in health and safety protocols. They just got Nicole Jokic back, won a big game in Miami. Uh, afterwards, he had a party at one of the bars. He was <laughs> playing the Serbian national anthem. Obviously, the um, little little thing that happened with Marcus and Mar- uh, Markeith Morris earlier uh, last month. So got a little bit of revenge on that. I like and that party. somebody in the club had and the party. sign that said reigning MVP is here. <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. The fact that the Nuggets won that game, though, and they had dropped as many as they had uh, in their series or however many in a row that they dropped is just showing you that Nikola Jokic should absolutely be in the MVP conversation again. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, there's there's no question in my mind. Uh, they have had a disaster season. You are not wrong. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the question that I have, okay? Because when you look at how good the Warriors are, how good the Suns are, but most importantly – just how shorthanded the Nuggets are. Like, you can have the MVP. You have Jokic. But, you know, argue, your number two and number three players are out. And we don't even know when Jamal Murray is going to come back. Is that going to be February? Is it going to be March? Is it going to be April? Is he going to come back at all this year? I don't know. Um, Michael Porter Jr. obviously is gone for the year. You know, Dozier's out for the year. They're so banged up and so many different things are going on. I wonder, number one, do they just tell Murray, you're not coming back this year? There's no chance we're going to risk this. And number two, regardless if they do that or not, do they just kind of say, we're packing it in this year? I mean, not deliberately tanking, but let's play it safe and let's focus on getting a good draft pick and uh, let's make sure that we're healthy and good to go come next year. No, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And I think that it's really important I mean, it, to it, see it, what their record is first. Right. And it's uh, even though that's we, probably not the right way to run a business or run a team, it, you have to take those things into consideration. It's a smart way to do it, though. And, and I mean, it sucks if it's a wasted year of Jokic in his prime, but they just don't have enough around him because of injuries and just bad luck that they've had right now to where it might just be like, we got to keep this. I'm not saying they're going to bench Jokic or anything like that, but it's just like, we got to focus on next year. It's just not going to happen for us this year. This team was built to be a title contender. You're missing two out of your big three. It's just not going to happen. So actually two out of your big four, because Aaron Gordon is having a decent year, but sure. But at, at the same time, it's just like, we just don't have enough weapons right now. We're too banged up. And you know what? Let's, let's just keep the focus on next season. Hopefully everybody gets healthy. You know, I think, I think Murray would definitely be ready by next season. The question is going to be where Michael Porter jr. Is, you know, when it comes to his recovery from back surgery, you know, and is this going to be a lingering problem for the rest of his career? Where it, is it going to be just minor stuff he has to deal with on a night to night basis, or is it going to be something worse, you know, and hopefully it's not. It's a good question, but still those injury riddled nuggets went into Miami and won that game. So can the Heat bounce back? I think it's going to be tough because the Cavs right now are back on their little roll. They've won back-to-back games. 
they defeated the Mavs in Dallas. Uh, not just defeated, they just housed them, took them to the barn. But I think that this is a good time to talk about our friends over at Prize Picks because we have a lot of player props that we can talk about that are on the board. And I'm staring at one right now that I'm kind of on, you know, have my eye on. I know that I misfired last week. I'm not too happy about that. Uh, you know, I'm going to go off of the, uh, the whole making the, the threes number. I think that that's just a killer for anything. Hey, I was right with um, Bam out of bio under 10 rebounds. It's all I know. You were, you were good for you. Good for you. Um, I think that, the Heat are going to know that the Cavs are coming here. By the way, Cavs, they are, I believe, uh, they've only lost. I don't know the net. I don't know the stat. But Evan Mobley, since he's come back, they've won two games uh, out of their two that they've played. And and uh, they have a, I think they're five or six games over 500 when he plays. So that's another interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Lowry marketing has been tremendous for them. Um I, I'm looking at uh, some props here in that game. Uh, I think that there is a low number for Kyle Lowry right there. I'm, I'm staring down that 13 and a half um, on the points mark. I was looking at being, Darius Garland at 18 and a half. Well, you got to be careful with that with the Cavs because they're very balanced in the box score this year. This is just mm-hmm. how Cleveland is. You don't know who's going to go off what night, which, you know, a year ago, two years ago, you'd be like, what are you talking about? But they have a balance now. They are very team-oriented, almost Spursian, almost like like the Heat, actually. Um, you know, these teams that share the rock get a lot of assists, but everybody eats. I believe they had six or seven guys in double figures against the Mavericks. So you got to be careful in that. I think Jarrett Allen led that with 28 points on Monday. But... I'm looking at Kyle Lowry specifically because I know that Jimmy Butler's still probably a little bit banged up. Um, Kyle's been taking on a little bit more of a scoring load here lately. He's had over 15 points in three of his last four games. And I'm looking at 13 and a half here. I know Darius Garland's been better on the defensive end at the same time, though. I think that Lowry's got a little bit more oomph to him. You know, he's got a little bit more strength. Um, and he'll be taking it um, to him in, in that fashion and uh, maybe a lot of points in transition as well because uh, Darius Garland does have some issues with turnovers at times. So um, I'm looking at Kyle Lowry at 13 and a half points there uh, just for that matchup, I think, at point guard. Now, I could go completely awry because Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are just waiting for him inside, but at the same time, Lowry's not going to try and take a bunch of layups. I think they're, you're going to see a ton of trail threes. Um, maybe some swing, swing passes to him for some open spot ups. Um, he does like to do that thing where he gets inside and do the little turnaround 10 foot J. Um, I think Kyle can score over 13 and a half, uh, rather easily, I would say. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler's the one that might take, uh, you know, a little step back as far as, uh, his, his, you know, point output. Um, I'm also looking at, some of these assist numbers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm marking these down. I got you a cow over. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, I'm just not going to lie. I'm just really on a train here with the, um, 
the 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 Wizards here uh, as far as Spencer Dinwiddie goes. I think that they're just playing with a really good mojo at the moment. Um, and, you know, I mentioned the everybody eats part. Mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie has been an engine to that. And you talked a little bit about that last week. Um, you know, he's averaging over five assists a game. Um, he is really moving the ball. The last game, last two games, he's had one assist and two assists. I think he's due. I think he's due against the Timberwolves, who do play a better brand of basketball, who are on a little bit of a roll, too. Loved talking about the Wolves. But I just think he's due. I think he's due for a big assist game. Mm. Um, and they only have the number here down at, at five and a half. I think he's due. I think Spence is due to set some guys up and, and get some of those numbers. So let's mark down Spencer Dinwiddie, five and a half assist. Kyle Lowry, 13 and a half points. And let's see if there's any rebound numbers that we like here. Well, I was going to bring up another player here real quick. I was going to bring up Jokic. And I know that he is depleted right now when it comes to weapons around him. However, that assist number is at six and a half. And I think there's going to be so much focus on him that he's going to be double team, triple team, especially now with them being shorthanded, that he's going to be asked to do so much, even more facilitating. And I wonder if that six and a half assists is low. Okay. Against the Orlando magic. Let's go. Let's put our heads together then. Okay. You, you can pick that. We're not adding a fourth. That is always the kicker. Do not add a fourth to your same game or your same night parlay. Well, it depends if you want to flex play it or you want to power play. Cause if you get flex, you can miss one and you can still win. You don't win as much, but if you power play, you got to get them all. Can we power play a three pick thing instead of we a can. four pick thing? Let's we do can. that. Let's take out the fourth element. It probably caches a little less, but at the same time, well, it's maybe a five times. It's it's still five times. All right. If you get the power play, if you hit three out of three, it's five times your entry. All right. So let's let's do the three leg instead of the four leg. Let's do the three because otherwise, when you were talking about points, I tell you what, and I know it's high. The guy that I was kind of interested in that's that's hot right now is Christian Wood over 18 and a half. He is hot right now. But you want to stay Don't away do from this. that. Don't okay. do this. I'm not going to. I'm going to stay with the three. And your intuitive mind of Spencer Dinwiddie is due. Yes. He is due. Okay. I'm going to place the entry then. Place in the entry. There we do go. It. We got our power play. We got to hit all three. And I was going to suggest, actually, because of Jonas Valanciunas coming off of a 39-point game, to take the under on his points. Mm. Just by my mind of, of uh, wagering and knowing how, how much people are going to see that and say, oh, that's so low. You know, I think that that's well, another smart one. But. I thought Sabonis was a little bit low at 15 and a half points. See, this is where we go wrong. This is where we go awry. This is where That's we why go we didn't do it. I, That's why I already placed it. And I'm looking, already placed it. And, already I'm, placed and it. I'm sad that we didn't do the podcast yesterday because we missed out on Taco Tuesday here. We did miss out on Taco Tuesday. We're recording on a Wednesday. So no, no taco for your boys here. But remember, <laughs> guys, that's prizepicks.com, app.prizepicks.com. Remember, all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on PrizePick will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to $100 new users. Again, the promo code news on prizepicks.com. All right, Bri, 
Can I go back to something that we were talking about before real quick? You sure. mentioned Kemba Walker, and obviously he's out of the Knicks rotation, right? Kemba's making just shy of $9 million this year, and uh, he's on the books for next year as well, if I remember right, uh, for just over nine. It's obvious that the Knicks are open to moving him. Who do you think would be interested? The Clippers. Mm. Okay. I think the Clippers. I think uh, anybody that could use some facilitation that would be okay with losing a little on the defensive end. And I think the Clippers fit that bill really, really much uh, right now. Um, anybody what kind that of needs- trade do you think could be facilitated? I'd have to look at their cap sheet. Oh, uh, ironically, I think Boston. <laughs> that, ironically. That, that, I can't see that one happening. I don't see that happening either, but just throwing it out there. Let me tell uh, you. Well, well, Kemba's, like I said, Kemba's making about 8.7, okay? And remember, we're coming up on the December 15th, which is when a lot of players become eligible to be traded. Um, so we're talking about, about eight, Philly. Philly could be available. I mean, would you be interested in a Kemba Walker for Serge Ibaka? Serge is in the would final year the of his Nets deal. Would be interested in that? Yes. You think? I don't know. Depends on he's, what He's in the final year of his deal. It would really suck for Kemba, you know, to come home. He had all of these good vibes, and he ends up getting traded, by the way. That just sucks. I know. Um, it does. It does. I mean, if you go to Philly... I don't How see about a reuniting with his old friends over there in Charlotte. See, I don't see where it works in Philly with the contracts. Um, when it comes to Charlotte, um, let's see. You mentioned make- your injury riddled team. How about Denver? Yeah. I mean, it's just trying to find the right fit when it comes to money and everything. That's going to be the tough point because nobody's going to want to have to give up too much. Nope. You know? For somebody that we know is challenged on the defensive end of the court. Um, if you're Denver, would you be interested in a Jeff Green Compazzo deal for him? Jeff Green's really important to that team. Yeah. So, no. I'm just spitballing. Yeah, I'm just trying to think how you even up the money. I mean, you're not going to do Monty Morris. Yeah. So it, it's tough. It's tough because of how much it's not like he makes a lot of money, but he makes some. Yeah. For his, for what his value is, it's tough. It's yeah. Tough. I almost wonder, could, could a team like offload a contract for him thinking like, well, he's only got one year left and we're going to trade somebody that's got, you know, a couple years left. Yeah. Do they look mm-hmm. at it that way? It's tough. It, it is. It, it is tough. So we'll see where he ends up, you know, and what's going to happen there. And then the other situation that we hadn't talked about yet was the John Wall situation where now oh, John yeah. is like, Hey man, I'm ready to play. Come on. I'm let's good. Go. I'm good. Put me on out there. Put, Put me, me on, on out, out there, there, coach. I'm ready to Just go. Just don't bring me off the bench. Yeah. But I don't, <laughs> I don't want to come off the bench because apparently the Rockets don't like, well, we could see you playing, but it's going to be a limited role off the bench. It's like, Whoa, I don't know about that. Right. And then here comes the, 
who can trade for John Wall situation. You're not going to buy out that. That contract is massive. You can't buy that out. You're not going to get him to leave much on the table. I feel bad for John because I want to see John play. I want to see John play, but he also wants to get consistent minutes to show what he can do just like he did last year when he was healthy. But that's the thing. Kevin Porter is starting to find his groove. Finally. Got Jalen Green. Alperin Shangun. You got these young cats. You just mentioned Christian Woods on a tear. I don't know if he's really on their timeline. Like, those are the guys that need minutes on that type of team, which makes this a conundrum. So I don't know what to do if I am, you know, in charge of that team. I don't know what to do. It's a hard, it's a hard decision. Can I throw because, a really tough John one wants to then? play. John okay. wants to play. Well, you just mentioned about their timeline, where they are right now. Christian Wood is 26 years old. Like, what do you do if you're Rafael Stone? Christian Wood has this year and next year on this deal where he's making, you know, between 13 and $14 million. And you know he's a valued asset around the league. It's not that he's old, but he's, he's entering his prime years right now. I'm not good with geography, but just tell him to move east, south, or west but over to do Dallas. You, are you interested in shopping Christian Wood and trying to get maximum value for him now on a tradable deal? I would think so because you have Alper and Shangun, and Shangun has shown a lot of promise. They're playing a lot of Jay Sean Tate. Daniel Tice really doesn't fit that mold either. I mean, they I mean, need vets. Don't get me wrong. They need vets to be there. But I mean, the like, Rockets do have the worst record in the league. Even you have KJ Martin. Yeah. The Rockets like, have won three in a row, but like, let's not fool ourselves here. Hey, so the Pelicans are on a roll too. I, hey, I wanted to nickname right. this podcast Rise of the Bottom Feeders. You know, like back from the basement, they come. They're starting to get in a groove, they're starting to play well. Don't tell that to the Orlando Magic or the Pistons. <laughs> Poor Pistons last night. At least Cade Cunningham had a career high, and he, he looked good. And I'm glad Jalen Suggs does not have a broken finger, and he's just not going to miss as much time. Yes, just, and I feel bad sprint. for him, too. Yeah. We actually had a really good article by Jackson Frank on basketballnews.com talking about the Magic, how their front court looks established. Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., and Mo Bamba. So go read that, because... If you're a Magic fan, you're really excited about that. You know, oh, like you have these yeah. pieces coming together and they actually show some direction as they have individually and in, and in spurts. You're happy about that. Do you but think like that these the bottom Ma- feeders, I'm happy yeah. like to see some of the progress that they've made outside of Detroit. Detroit just can't get there right now. They can't. Now, if you're, if you're the Magic, are you going to be able to work out a deal with Mo Bamba? Or are you going to trade him? I or you gonna let this go to the off season? He's still on their timeline, dude. Even, I know. Even that's with, what I say. What, like, he's in year three. Or but year what's four? but what's a good deal for Mobamba? Somewhere between sixteen to eighteen. Woohoo! Three years. Hey, hey! If this developmental curve continues to happen the way it's happened, it's gonna be worth it. So three years, fifty million. I think that I, I think that that's. More than fair. That's extremely fair for both sides, I think. But we know that the NBA does not operate in those circles. Mo needs to be there. Mo, 
Mo's stuck through thick and thin there, and he's averaging a career high. He's finally getting this, the playing time that you know he needs. He was we knew coming in that he would be raw and he would be a quote unquote project. We knew that. And what happened at the end of the last year? I started talking about him on this podcast when no one was freaking noticing him, and I was like, "This dude's coming along. He's starting to stroke the three, starting to, to block shots, starting to." grab those rebounds as we know we can. And then what happens? He is in a consistent role. He's starting every game. He's putting up excellent numbers. I know that you look at 11 and nine and you're like, Oh, whatever, but it's the consistency in which he's doing. So it's the defensive effort in which he's doing. So with taking better shots, he has guards to set him up. He's letting it fly from deep when he needs to. His three-point rate is really solid. Like, completely different. His three-point rate is 43% right now. His three-point rate, that's the rate at which shots it takes. That's How old do you think Mo Bamba is? He's 23. Yeah, he's 23. He's still on that curve. He's on that, like... He's in his fourth year. I, I, don't, I don't want to say this, because what we're seeing this year from Jared Allen is just amazing. Like... But he's on that trajectory. He has, he's in his fourth season and he's only 23 years old. Jared Allen, he's in his fifth season and he is 23 years old. You know, like, I, I just think that you have to let it go. Because what happens once he finally breaks out and you say, okay, we didn't give him the money? You're going to hate yourself. That's the game you play because you got to play this waiting game. And the second somebody shows some promise, yep. then you have to be like, I either have to be all in or all out. There, there's no in between. Boom. Yep. There's no, no in question. between. And mind, mind you, yeah. when it comes to Orlando, how much use do you think Robin Lopez is getting out of his Disney annual pass right now? <laughs> like, does he's he go mag- there? He's, maxing, just he's to, maxing that thing out. Is it like he's staying until 5 p.m. and the game's at 7 or he's maxing that thing out. He's going to Epcot, but most importantly, he's just going to be in that Star Wars spot. He's in the Star Wars. Yeah, spot he is. He's over there all day long. He's over there in Avatar. <laughs> but yeah, no, the the bottom feeders, man. Like, could even look at the Pelicans. Yeah, you see Jonas Valanciunas score is thirty nine and say, yeah, okay, like that was just a JV on fire night. But he's leading the league in three point percentage. Yeah, they're, they're, he's shooting fifty-one point seven percent. I mean, they're going to get Zion this is what back. I'm looking, yeah, this is what I'm looking at, though. If they're really going to dig themselves out of this hole, because you know the Kings are, I don't know what the Kings are, but I, I think they'll be better. Alvin Gentry, Alvin Gentry apologized good. for their effort against the Lakers on Tuesday night. He apologized to Kings fans about the team. He just became the interim coach. He did. It's not good. I. You know, my prediction last week, I don't know if I could throw it out the window or not because they did just beat the Lakers in three overtimes on, on Saturday when they had LeBron. Yeah. And then without LeBron, they just got the piss beat out of them in the second half. But with the Pelicans, I'm looking at Brandon Ingram being back in their 500. You know, he's their 500 with Brandon Ingram in the lineup. Ingram's tremendous. Herb Jones, I mentioned him a few weeks back when we were talking about the rookie class. But this kid is a sensational defender. Sensational. Devontae Graham's a little too inconsistent for my liking. Um, but 
maybe, maybe, maybe they're not just dead yet. Maybe. Or maybe this is just a blip on the radar. Depends on when Zion comes back. Depends on how quickly he can get back into the fold. Because the West is up for grabs right now. You look at those standings. Dude, it's worse worse than the East this year. You can tell you that. There are one, two, three, four, five teams with fewer than eight wins in their conference. Five. There are two in the Eastern Conference, and that's Detroit and Orlando, that have fewer than eight wins. 12 and 13 seed, Toronto and Indiana have nine wins each. And then you just look at a log jam from one to 11. It's crazy. The 11 every, seed Everybody's the right there at 500. 11. I mean, yeah. you've got, yeah, because Dallas is 10 and nine and the Nuggets are 10 and 10. And that's the difference between a four seed and a 10 seed right now. Yep. Yep. And I've asked this question before. And I'm going to ask you again, knowing what we know over this past week, who comes back first, Zion Williamson or Clay Thompson? Clay Thompson. He just got assigned to the G League for their practices. I believe that uh, another warrior was with him. I can't say, I can't remember. Did you see him get hit the game winning three in the uh, scrimmage? I saw some video of him running up and down the court, which was they great. Did, they did a scrimmage game and he hit the game winning three, like came down the court and just buried a three. Yeah, he's getting back into the fold, guys. He's talking at press conferences. He's doing five on five. Steve Kerr sounds tremendously optimistic because the Warriors were in town a few Fridays ago. So we talked to him about that. Like, and every single week, it's more positive news. So, yes, Clay is going to be back in the fold soon. Zion. I, I don't still know take yet. my time they, on they that cleared guy, him. They, they cleared him for something. They cleared him for five on fives. Yeah. So, but it's still like there's a difference in clearing him and making sure he's in good enough shape. Yeah. It's because about conditioning with him. He, I he, have no qualms about Clay's conditioning. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, with Zion, he's still probably going to be out of shape once they do give him the green light. But at the same time, he has to be in better shape than he has been. And that means dropping some weight. It does. It does. I mean, because the last thing you want him doing is running up and down and taking that kind of contact in NBA games when he's got an extra 20 pounds on his body. I mean, that's that's just screaming for another injury if you do that. Yeah, no question. You saw the Joel and Beats back, right? My God. I mean, the first night back, he had 42. 42. <laughs> God. I, I mean, love it. Dude, he was toying with them. He was toying. I hate Minnesota. that it came in a loss, but and, and, and it was great that, to see. Let me tell you, man, there would, everybody wants to talk. I'm not a conspiracy theorist in the least bit, but my God, the officiating in that game was something to behold. In the Minnesota game? Yeah. Yeah. It was. And then D'Angelo the Russell after those, the game. Uh, did you see D'Angelo Russell after the game getting interviewed going, yeah, we were going to let them do that to us. They want to come back. Oh, we're going to take this as a, you know, as an affront to us. Boom, boom, boom. Like, what are you talking about? Like, D'Angelo, calm down, dude. Calm. Right. Take it down just a notch. Just a notch. Dude. Big one for you. I understand it. Enjoy it. But, woo. But you know what? Those pups are playing, man. And, yeah. it, you know, we thought maybe when they had that little stretch where they started playing old Wolves defense again, that they were going to start really 
having a tough go. They lost seven in a row, six in a row. And it was looking real bleak there um, after the really fast start. But here you go. They've won seven out of eight now. Seven out of eight. And one of those losses was to the up-and-coming Hornets. And the Hornets themselves haven't been quite consistent. I don't know who's been really consistent in the league other than the top teams. It's been really up and downy. But I see the Wolves playing defense. I'm very excited about Anthony Edwards. I've mentioned to you, I don't know if there's anybody else in his, I don't want to say his class, but his age group that I enjoy more uh, to watch when he is engaged and having fun. He just lives the game and loves the game. Um, D'Angelo's playing a hell of a role, uh, even on defense, which was interesting. Um, you know, you see Jalen McDaniel or Jaden McDaniels look as good as he has. Unfortunately, he's out with a illness right now. Hopefully that's not COVID uh, because they're rolling with him in that lineup. You know, we don't imagine cat cat playing his ass off and yeah, his numbers are a little bit, a teeny bit down, but I think when his numbers are down, that's a good sign for the team because that means that he's having to take on less of the load. And that that's important, man. Like, I think, I think that's huge. Um, the fact that, you know, he's taking a little bit fewer shots, uh, concentrating more on the defensive end. Um, said, yeah, he's coming. This is hilarious because he's coming off of a 30, 32 point, uh, eight rebound effort, but there are, they've been games like where he's been in the low twenties, mid twenties that we're used to seeing cat thirties, mid thirties, some forties. Uh, but, He's getting used to playing alongside somebody who's aggressive as hell, like Anthony Edwards. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, loving what he's bringing to the table when he's healthy. You know, like, they've got a good mix. I, and, and this is why I picked them at the beginning of the season to be in the play-in, because Finch knows how to coach. That's that. I, th- I, I still stand by them getting into that mix you should be i mean because i mean they have gotten better we've seen the heat up here and you see the promise in their young guys when when they stay healthy and i mean cat is a fantastic player i think i think he's with everything that he's gone through both personally and professionally to be where he's at right now he's probably in as good a headspace as he's been in in a while yeah and then and i think some of that is because of the coach i think some of that is because of the promise of the other players on the team having anthony edwards there and seeing his Fast progression, I think, is only going to help him. And, you know, Cat's out there, and he's playing his game. And um, and there, there's a little bit of hope in Minnesota right now. There is. There is. And if you want, like, a really good summation of where all the teams are, too, make sure you check out NBA Power Rankings from Tommy Beer on basketballs.com. Does a great job summing those up. And we also have the opposite of Power Rankings. We have Sour Rankings, which I love that idea from Ethan Fuller. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, one of our hardest-working newsliners and uh, does social media for us, but also does some amazing articles for us uh, on a weekly basis. His sour rankings are really entertaining to read. So make sure you check those out. Check out his stat book. Um, really good stuff on, on the site just too in general. Uh, but before we get out of here, I know that you want to talk about the Lakers. I'm sure. Um, I don't know if I really not, want to talk about them, but not, I not think in like a, should. Not in like a 10 minute way. Oh, but no, because no, no. They are in the news because LeBron James, and this is huge, has entered NBA safety protocols. Uh, 
he will miss at least 10 games because there um, was a positive test. I believe is what Adrian Wardanowski said. Yeah, he told Anthony. He told Anthony Davis that he's asymptomatic, so that means that he tested positive, which means he has to miss at least ten games. And by the way, he is not the uh, only player to just test positive because um, Kobe White of the Bulls has tested positive as well. The Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving positives are going to roll out regardless of vaccination status. They're just yes. going to roll out. Yep. Yes. So LeBron's going to be at a minimum of uh, 10 games. And what is it? You have to show you have to test negative twice within a 24 hour period before you can be cleared after 10 days. Is that what it is? I believe so. So he's going to be out until at least next Wednesday, I believe. Likely. Yeah. So that means he missed the game last night, which means he's going to miss at least three games maybe four depends if, if he comes back next thursday the ninth the lakers be on a road trip against the grizzlies and then they play the following night against the thunder so he'll be back if everything goes right he'll be back one of those two nights so he'll miss four or five games there you go so but um I mean, they need i mean they they beat sacramento without him but remember they were down double digits in that game until they turned it up in the third quarter and they won a hellacious run say russ russ half. has been playing better ball even with or without lebron too i think he has um, but you know what you watch that that team i mean you you sit there and you talk about individual talent with lebron and ad and westbrook alone and you got to sit there and go I don't know if I've seen a team have worse chemistry that much talent out of your top three guys. There's just not that much chemistry there with that whole team. I mean, just when it comes to everything that they do, you know, uh, they don't run, you know, on offense, there's not a lot of assists, you know, or it doesn't feel like it. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. There's a lot of holding of the ball. They're not moving it around. And then we all know about their, you know, problems defensively. So, you know, they, they're starting to tighten up their rotation right now, though. We know Bazemore's out of the rotation. I think DeAndre Jordan is working his way quickly out of the rotation, which probably should have already happened. In fact, Dwight Howard was told before the game on Tuesday by Frank Vogel, um, you're not going to play tonight. But Dwight said he stayed ready, and DeAndre Jordan was missing all of his <laughs> defensive assignments to the point where he only played four minutes, and they put Dwight in there, and Dwight was a big part of that win for the Lakers. And he was great. White was snatching up rebounds like crazy. Oh yeah. But I mean, he was just a nuisance to everybody. Even Anthony Davis said this one goes to Dwight for everything he did energy wise. So, I mean, I think that's where you're going to, you know, Malik Monk is going to be, you know, I think he's getting some more minutes coming up here. And, um, you know, not that these two guys are going to change their entire season, but you know, they were banking on, you know, good rotation minutes out of Trevor Ariza and, and Kendrick Nunn. And, Ariza sounds like he's getting close to coming back, maybe within a couple of weeks. None still has this bone bruise, and he's not even close to coming back because this is a team that really thought with their second unit, it's like we can have none, we can have Monk, and we can have Taylor Norton Tucker, and we can just do a lot of stuff with those young, dynamic guys. And they haven't been able to do that. I, I don't know what they'd be able to do with them anyway. Horton Tucker is still all over the place. It looks like He's got all this promise in the world. And then the next game, he doesn't do squat. So, you know, he's trying to find himself, you know, in this team as well. So there's, there's still a ton of questions, you know, with that team. I mean, they're, they're a mess, <laughs> you know, they, they've won three of four, but um, 
they're still an absolute mess. From Lakerland to the land, since I haven't talked about the Cavs here in a minute, uh, coming off, as I said, a drubbing of the Mavericks, a team that, by the way, they had been blown out by in the past in Dallas a, a lot. I don't have the number on hand, but they had been losing consecutively by 20 or more for like five, six games in Dallas. They came out and punished them. <laughs> Straight up punished them. Um, that's coming off of a win over the Magic. Mind you, you look at the Cavs' strength of schedule. It's the hardest in the league, by the way. The, the, their strength of schedule is legitimately the hardest in the league. The teams that they should beat, those teams that are bottom dwellers, they have pretty much led wire to wire. That included your Orlando Magic, and that included the Detroit Pistons back on, on November 12th. Those are the only two teams that they've played that are in that category. Maybe you could say the Celtics and they split that series. But other than that, all the teams they've played have a 500 record or better, which is, I mean, I know there's a lot of 500 teams, but they've been hit with an ugly stick to start this season. And they are passing with flying colors. That Mavericks game, man, I'm going to tell you that just exhibited the, the joy for the game. They had the, the pace, the, they just have an identity. It's really crazy because, you know, they haven't had an identity since the, the last season that LeBron was there. And even that was arguable if they had an identity. Um, finals or not. Uh, they're tough. They play defense. They block shots. They lob. They lob. They lob. And they lob some more. It's funny. You go back and look at the video that I recorded of J.B. Bickerstaff before training camp. And knowing the possibilities of having multiple bigs on the floor. Because we knew that Jared Allen was going to start. We knew that Evan Mobley was going to start. And I asked him about the lob playbook. I'm like, what kind of lobs do you have? Like, oh, we got small to big, big to big, small to small, big to big. All that you can think of. But one, they lead the NBA in that category. I think they have two out of the top five in dunks, too or at least before Evan Mobley went down. I think Evan Mobley was on the list, but I know that Jared Allen is at the top of the list. If you're getting points that way, and teams don't know whether to defend a floater that Darius Garland has, that's another question I asked Darius Garland a few weeks back too. It's one of my favorite developments of his. It's when he gets into the lane, he tricks you. You don't know whether he's going to that floater or he's going to a lob. And if you can't make that read quicker than that guy makes the read, how the hell are you going to defend that? And now... You have Lowry Marketing who's back, and since he's returned, he's averaging over 22 points a game out on the wing. And he's seven foot, and he can do a little bit more than people anticipated he could do defensively. That's tough. You have Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love, a former pairing in Minnesota a decade ago that knows each other off the bench. Jetty Osmond, when he doesn't have back problems, has had, I can't believe seeing how many 20-point games that Jetty Osmond's had this year. He is so on, and the on-offs with him and Ricky Rubio are crazy. But they just seem to have an identity. They seem to have fun. They're in every game. The effort is consistent. Their next step is learning to play with a lead, keeping a lead, making sure they know how to close out games. But they're well on their way. 
And this sucks, too, because Colin Sexton can't be a part of it. Obviously, he had his knee surgery. But they just, they're progressing. The next step, I think, individually for one of their players that's been struggling a little bit on the offensive end is Isaac Okoro, who looked great in Dallas. Put it on the floor. Going into contact, don't see that very often from him. He doesn't have to be this all-worldly offensive player. But if he can knock down a few trays here and there, put it on the put on the floor, make a few plays here and there. He's a low-usage guy, but he's athletic. He's going to defend the toughest player on the other team every night. It's crazy, man. I, I thought that they would be fighting for the play-in, and maybe that's still the case because there are 11 and 10. You know, every team's 11 and 10, it seems like, in the Eastern Conference. And maybe injuries will hold them back. I don't know. But... You better play your A game when you're facing the Cavs this year. You're not, they're not going to catch you off guard. You have to be prepared for that. And I think the teams are realizing it. And even when Evan Mobley was out for that stretch, they were still playing so hard. I saw Dean Wade taking it to the Warriors. Like, there's a belief in that locker room. And it's not just cliche talk it's actual belief and they play their asses off for jb bickerstaff and i think that anyone that watches the games can see it we wondered about that team going into the year because you could see the talent there and we wondered how it was going to fit and will work out can they actually start to turn the corner and they've done it so far I mean, there was all these questions about, do you have too many bigs? Is everybody going to get their minutes? How are you going to do that? Why are you signing Laurie Marketing? What's going to happen with that backcourt? Everything has worked itself out to this point, and the team has played well. And you can see a good foundation of young guys there, and it's coming together. And I agree with you in that we'll see how far they go this year and how good they're going to be. But you cannot take a night off against the Cavs because they play hard, and they got a lot of talent on that team, and they're going to – they're going to be rough for everybody out there. And I think they can do it in a variety of ways because you could sit there and talk about how big that front line is, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot of guys that could do some damage to you on that team. And, um, you know, they're going to be a pain all the way. I'm, I want to see how good they can get because we've, we can see the talent there. And now we start to see exactly how it's all come together, how it's pieced itself together. So now what are you going to do? Your game over 500. Let's see where you go from here. Now that we're, everybody is 20 to 23 games into the season. Okay. Agreed. So now we know who you are and everybody else knows who you are too. So what are you going to do going forward? How do you play with expectations? How do you play with expectations? And if you're looking in the front office, depending on where you are maybe a month from now, are you a buyer at the deadline? They should That's be. the other question, they, they which is crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. But if this team stays healthy the way they have, I think you got to think about it. I don't know. I think you got to think about it. But we talked about our two teams. We talked about our two teams. We went from La La Land to the land. I think we addressed most of the news that came out this week. Sorry, we didn't talk about the Jazz. I think that they deserve a little bit of respect, too. Rudy Gobert's playing a hell of a year. But we only have so much time. So with that, 
We're going to stop the buck right here. Speaking of the Bucks, looking really good ever since they got healthy. <laughs> Again, we can't talk about every team. We are keeping it 94. We're a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. That's every Tuesday and Friday. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. Two great guests. He had Joe Bunasar on last week. This week, he had Thad Young, exclusively Thad Young of the San Antonio Spurs. Talked a lot about, you know, the trade from Chicago. He thinks he can still be a solid role player somewhere else. Uh, if that opportunity presents itself, but he still loves being in San Antonio and being the mentor to all those uh, younger up and coming players, but that's a must listen. You guys got to check that out for sure. He also, um, Alex also had Dan Grunfeld on to talk about his brand new book. So make sure you, you listen to that. That's the son of Ernie Grunfeld and a really good uh, friend of ours at basketballnews.com. He's written a few things for us. So make sure you go listen to that as well. The rematch with the Thomas, he just had Markel Fultz on and talked about, you know, his journey, uh, in the NBA so far, uh, whether, you know, the stuff in Orlando, uh, the, the starting out in, in Philly, you know, all the injuries, the, the perception of himself, like that's another must listen. So make sure you go check that out. We have dishes and dimes with the ladies who are back um, after having uh, an off season off and they're having a great start. And Iman wrote an amazing, amazing piece the other day uh, about the Raptors and the Cavs going with the big movement. Uh, as opposed to the small movement zigging instead of zagging. So make sure you check that story out. And of course, we have our newest podcast on basketballmovies.com, Nothing But Bets. It's a daily gambling podcast with Evan Sidery. He will talk to you every day about the slates that the uh, league throws out there and uh, his favorite picks, whether it's over-unders, it's spreads, player props brought to you by prize picks, whatever it is, he's going to talk about it. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. Brian is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Please, 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 on for our podcast, leave us a like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, do the rest for those podcasts I just mentioned and keep us going and churning here on basketballnews.com. Got some features coming up for you here in the coming weeks, just kind of ironing off the kinks. Want to say a shout out to Ohio State basketball for making my week a little bit better. I'm not an Ohio State basketball fan as much as I am an Akron basketball fan. I will say that, but the Bucks did just knock off the undefeated Blue Devils, Paulo Banchero and company, at Value City Arena in Columbus uh, with a huge upset for Big Ten ACC Challenge. So shout out to them. Shout out to EJ Lydell, who you will be seeing in the NBA at some point. Other than that. Uh, I think I have to end it on this because Brian teased me a little bit about having to wear Browns colors to get into the Davies household. We are six and six. We are at the bye week. We have to run the table. Baker's got to get healthy. Kareem's got to get healthy. Everybody's got to get healthy. Five game stretch, biggest of the season. It's not over yet. If they run the table, they can still get in. Please, please, please do not make me hate my football team. Shout out to the Harbaugh's. They destroyed my weekend. And let's count down the days of the final days of Matt Nagy as the Chicago Bears head coach. <laughs> Counting it up. Join him. Join him. Even though, even though they won on Thanksgiving, you know, the, the red rifle showed up, made the big plays. That wow, was huge. what a win. Put that one on the resume right there at the top. Put, put one that on the resume. He looked very, very happy. I did have to shout out Mr. Scott Hill, though, because his Wolverines did beat the Bucks, as I just mentioned. Good game plan throughout. 
Harbaugh deserves his flowers for that one. Is the rivalry back? I can't say that yet because it's been a decade, but they earned that one. I don't know if I'm going to be pulling for them, but they will be in the CFP if they win this game against Iowa, which I think they're going to actually massacre them on Saturday. But that's all for football talk. I just had to get that off my chest. Go Browns. Go Bucks. Go keep it at 94. We'll see you next time.